You know what has inspired this show tonight? All the Christmas parties, holiday breakups, and messages that I've received on the internet. And I'm going to tell you about some of those stories tonight and read you some messages on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making relationships the best they can be. I'm Maureen McGrath of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980. How are you? Hope you had a wonderful Christmas. It's a great time of year, isn't it? It's always my pleasure to be here with you. It is a great time of year, but you know what? It can be a very stressful time of year, especially if you are in a relationship with somebody who drinks a bit too much or has another addiction, like an Internet addiction. And that, one of the subjects of the show tonight is about internet addiction because one of my patients, of course I ask all of my patients if they're sexually active, not because I'm nosy, but because I am in clinical practice. (laughs) And they're actually saying here that I'm nosy. But anyway, um, because I am in clinical practice in Vancouver and as well I am in clinical practice in North Vancouver. And when I ask People, if they're sexually active, I get a whole host of answers. I never get yes or no. (laughs) I get maybe, sort of, kind of, I'm married. I'm like, well, that means no to me. And they're like, yeah, you're right, it is. I am. It is no. Um, So I did ask this one woman if she was sexually active. And there was a little bit of a language barrier. But she said to me, no, my husband is on the Internet most of the time or a lot of the time and so his needs are met there and he doesn't need to have sex with me. So that's not going to last too long because that's going to impact the intimacy of a relationship and I'm going to talk to you about intimacy in relationships tonight and especially how some of these addictions may impact intimacy in a relationship. So we'll talk a little bit about that a bit later. But uh, I, so to that end, I have invited my good friend and uh, the guru of social media, Dave Teixeira, to join me tonight. And he's going to clarify things and talk about why it feels so great to be on the Internet. We're going to have a nice discussion around that. Also, I had some other uh, situations, other patients in my office These are common issues that occur. Only the daring ones come to see me. No, that's not true. Um, But I see so many patients and I'm told so many stories and I'm I'm very fortunate in that people share these stories with me um, because they can trust me and also they know I will never tell anybody. I had one patient who was heartbroken over the holidays and as as it was leading up to the holidays and which is really difficult it, at any time of life it's so painful to have a broken heart but it is particularly painful when your heartbreak comes over christmas or another important holiday so this particular patient was in love with a married man but he had claimed he had left his wife and she believed him although she saw signs all along the way and uh, and then finally, somebody showed her a picture of him at uh, several Christmas parties with his wife. So he had actually never left his wife. And so she was heartbroken because she was very much in love with him. And we're going to be talking about uh, the dopamine centers in the brain and uh, different aspects and why this is a neurochemical Issue And so why we have some of that pain as well. 
Uh, so it's some sometimes it's something that you can't help, and the neurochemistry, the the dopamine is released into the brain, especially when we fall in love, and so that's why it can be doubly painful. And it was certainly, but um, but I think this person is going to do okay because, as I say, if you look at a problem and you know the problem, at least you know what you are dealing with. And you know what you want in life. And so she would know she doesn't want a cheating man in her life. She knows that. And she's experienced the hurt herself. Somebody else was in a 10-year marriage, another patient. And she realized that he was an alcoholic. And I said, okay, so after 10 years, you realize he's an alcoholic. What was the, what was the tipping point? What was the, the last straw? What made you realize that? And she said, well, his nasty jabs. And and she coupled that. She was also in denial for a long time, but she coupled that with the drinking that he did. And he, she said he was really mean. And, you know, that's true. A lot of people who drink too much or are alcoholics, they can have a mean streak. They may not be like that naturally, but I'm also going to talk to you tonight about why loneliness is a factor in alcoholism and the Rat Park study or the view from the Rat Park study that was held here out at SFU in the 80s. It was a really interesting study, and it talks about loneliness. And, you know, you can be lonely. You can be in a relationship, and you can be incredibly lonely. You can be in a room full of a 1,000 people and still feel alone. So loneliness is subjective, and it's how one looks at it. So we're going to take a deeper look into that as the night progresses. Um, Also... Sometimes I think some of this behavior, you know, these people, if they're not on crack, they must be drunk. Um, so you, I get a lot of uh, messages. <laughs> Sometimes some of the things even friends and colleagues say to me are just as bad as some of the email messages that I get. But I'll, I'll start with, um, well, I guess I, I, was, um, I, I was at lunch with a friend, and, and she said in front of about five or six other people, you shared something on Facebook about sex and disabilities. I said, yes, I did. And, and she said, uh, it's, it's things like this that make me want to come off social media. But anyway, she said, uh, you know, that was a great article. And I said, oh, well, thanks very much. And, you know, she said, so-and-so liked it as well. And I said, oh, that's great. She said, I just have one question for you. And I said, what's that? And she said, that video that was in it, that was in that share on Facebook, she said, was that you in the video? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like... <laughs> Are you serious? What do you think I am? Anyway, so, which leads me to the next inappropriate statement. It's like, really? Like, if you think that and you're a friend of mine, what do other people think? Okay, and so then a colleague said to me, who is uh, a colleague of a, you know, a related, uh, sexual health related area. He said, but I do more of the um, sexual health and he does other aspects of the work and he said given that you're in such a provocative job do you ever get together with any of these guys i'm like what do you think i am a phone sex operator <laughs> this is not 1900 anyway w- are you kidding me once again surely you're drunk at work um but anyway you know this is this also underscores the need for sexual health Education. So here's a couple of the emails that I've gotten. And, and the one I just actually read the first word, and I, and I thought, and this was what prompted his comment. Um, I just read the first word, and I knew this is, this is going to be a doozy. Uh, and the first word was eyes. <laughs> so, 
Anyway, sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but um, and I and then he made that other comment, but it's it was dear Maureen. This is on social media. I think this was on Facebook. Dear Maureen, eyes are not meant for tears, and heart is not meant for fear. Never get upset. Always cheer, as you are the one who can make me smile for years. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Matt's clapping. Thanks for being here tonight, supporting me, Matt. <laughs> it's my pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Well, while Mike's away, Matt will play. I am that not with me anyway. <laughs> uh, so anyhow, and then he wrote, "Good morning." He's from the East Coast, and it's three hours ahead. And I'm like, "Yeah, okay." He's not from New York, and uh, you know, paying no attention. And then here was another one. Dear Maureen, this is this is LinkedIn. This is so hard for me to reach out. This is some old geezer. I am not on social media much, and I'm not accustomed to meeting in this way, but I was so struck by you, you and your Photoshop. I do hope we can meet and become friends and see where this leads. Okay, like, no. Next. See you later. Uh, so anyhow, these are the kinds of, uh, this is the risk uh, you take when you are a sexual health educator, <laughs> registered nurse, blogger. Um, and uh, expert witness, you know, I'm actually a pretty uh, bona fide profession, healthcare professional. I didn't say boner fide, I said bona fide anyway. <laughs> but these are some of the, um, the difficult aspects of my job. Anyway, nonetheless, I love it and I have a blast doing it, and it's always so much fun. So, uh, when I return, though, we're going to uh, look to the dark side of the internet when uh, Dave Teixeira joins me. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. We have lots of subjects we're talking about tonight, but one in particular, we're going to focus a little bit on addiction because addiction can really negatively impact a relationship. An internet addiction was brought to my attention in my office recently. I was kind of surprised by this woman who told me that she and her husband were not sexually active. She was about 42 years of age. She had a little bit of a language barrier, and they were not sexually active. And she said it as though it was to be expected, as though it was normal, as though it was fine and healthy and no problem. She said, well, he spends so much time on the internet that... She, he doesn't need to have sex with her, and she was quite fine by that. I was struck by it. Thanks to neuroscience, we're beginning to understand that achieving a goal or anticipating the reward of new content for completing a task may, in fact, excite the neurons in the ventral tegmental area of the midbrain, and this is where the neurotransmitter dopamine is released into the pleasure centers of the brain. To discuss this further is Dave Teixeira of Dave.ca. Dave.ca Communications is on the line. Hello, Dave. Hi, Maureen. How are you? <laughs> Fine, thanks. How are you? I'm so glad you're there. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Merry Christmas and yeah, Happy Merry New Christmas. Year. Happy, happy New Year. And here's a bit of a, a fact to start the show off. You played a little Coldplay coming into the segment here. Actually, whenever you play Coldplay, that's a great way to end the mood in any relationship. That's my theory. Oh, is that right? Is that yeah, I'm pretty, now, Dave? I, I I've just... counseled you throughout the year, <laughs> not to get personal, but I, I've given you damn good advice, have I not? You have indeed, but Thank I'm you. still stuck on this Coldplay issue. <laughs> okay, I love Coldplay. I love that song. It's one of the best breakup songs ever. 
Like, I love it. Anyway, I knew all of them. I listed the 20 top breakup songs. That's like number three. I love that song. Anyway, so Coldplay doesn't do it for you. We know that. Uh, But uh, the Internet does it for a lot of people. And it's really something people can't control. It's the latest addiction. It's the trend. It's what to do. Well, in fact, they're, 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 it is considered an addiction. And uh, back in 95, it was actually uh, uh, Internet Addiction Disorder, or IAD. It was termed that kind of a, almost uh, in, in a farcical way. It was because, you know, the Internet was so new 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But, but now fast forward 20 years, and it actually is considered uh, a serious uh, uh, addiction or an issue, especially around pornography, because uh, you, know, you can have uh, you know, a different sexual addictions uh, strictly on pornography, online pornography. You can have sort of an intimate relationship with people that you've never met, and that sort of online intimacy can take away from your real-world intimacy. And so there, were, there are concerns with that, but um, with, with, your, with your patient there who was concerned about uh, her husband uh, you know, having all of his, exclu- his exclusive sexual uh, feelings towards pornography, I, I don't think that's necessarily a, a concern that she needs to have. I think uh, uh, the real-world stuff well, is uh, a little bit better. You know, Dave, she wasn't concerned. Like, she was okay with it. She was just like, you know what? His needs are met on the Internet. We don't need to have sex. She had no concern. <laughs> Sorry if I confused you there. Gotcha. But that's, that's, that's concerning of itself. That's concerning. That's the <laughs> that's concern. The concern. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, she was it, fine with it. She probably had low sexual desire. She's been with him a number of years, and that's a, you know, definitely a recipe for low sexual desire. You, the old you again syndrome. Yeah. Yep. But but she was just like, that's what he's doing. He's on the Internet all the time. That's where he has his needs met. That's where he, you know, and uh, and so therefore I'm uh, I'm off the hook. Yeah, and you'll find that there's a lot of people who might think that way. And in fact, Pew Internet, and I love these guys, they do some great research. And they did a study uh, um, a, few, uh, a few months ago, and they found that when they called people to ask them, do you watch pornography online? Shockingly, they only heard, found that between 13 and 15 percent said they did, which means about 85 percent lied. Exactly. So, Absolutely. So, so I think pornography is part of a sexual relationship, and the online world makes it very, very easy. In fact, any form of technology quickly becomes part of the pornographic industry. So be it uh, uh, radio or even film or television, uh, uh, you know, VHS sales in the late 70s, early 80s could be attributed a lot to the, to the pornographic industry because that's how they distributed their, their product. And of course, uh, with the advent of the internet about 20 years ago in terms of a consumer side of things, pornography really took off in terms of ease and access, uh, uh, both from a performer side and also from people um, access- accessing that pornography is very, very simple. So yeah, there, there could be a little bit of a rise of concern, and maybe that's something you should watch if you're, if you're substituting the real-world intimacy uh, uh, for the online stuff, then that might be a, a real trigger and a real issue. Well, let me tell you about a couple of male colleagues of mine. I work with a lot of men in my field, and uh, so I was telling, they were asking me what I was going to be talking about on the show, and I said uh, internet addiction, porn addiction, and they said, well, you know, um, is it really all that bad? And they, they made a few points. The one they said was, the internet does not need to talk, number one. Number two, the internet never gets a headache. <laughs> and the internet rolls over and goes to sleep when you turn it off. 
Well, there you go. But I, I guess what it can do, it can kind of replace in, uh, for those people who are perhaps without a partner or a willing partner or a maybe or a, a nasty partner. partner or a yeah. partner that's not game. Whatever it is, but yeah. also you know, online pornography in the same study found that. Of of the thirteen to fifteen percent of people who admitted to using this, more than about eighty percent used it as part of their regular sexual activity. So this yeah. was something that was in addition to um, or, or added to. So this was something that was done as the couple uh, as part of their, their sexual activity. So, Absolutely, and I think uh, it's a, an important aspect of a sexual relationship to have partial, uh, you know, viewing of of porn. I think it's actually healthy. It's been shown to help erectile dysfunction. Yeah, and, and the online world has many different flavors. A lot of times people think pornography, they might think of uh, whatever they're accustomed to or what they are, are, what their knowledge base of it is. But there's a lot of instructional pornography, for lack of a better term. And there's right up to, you know, role play and fantasy, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all accessible through, through clicks. And just it's, it's very, very simple and easy to access. Of course, people have to remember that what you're seeing online is not necessarily indicative of what really goes on in the real world. And that's where some problems can happen is why are you not reacting the way this actress uh, reacted uh, in this this two and a half minute clip I just viewed. Um, so that's what the expectations can be a little bit skewed. But uh, in terms of role play or fantasy, uh, just as you you know, people are going out to watch Star Wars, uh, pornography is that sort of fantasy <laughs> fulfillment as well. Oh, maybe I should see Star Wars now. Um, the dopamine system is really important because that is uh, widely implicated in the drug and natural reward circuitry of the brain, and it's related to because it's important for cognition, motivation orgasm, drug addiction, intense emotion, so anything around love, and several psychiatric disorders. And so really, we don't, that's why you have to watch, I think people need to watch this, is because they, you know, there's really no control when you're, the dopamine system is at play here. You are at risk for issues with experiencing orgasm, issues with addiction because of that pleasure and also that compulsion loop because the experience is perceived to be very pleasurable. Some people become can become obsessed with the pleasure-seeking experiences and then that habitual design chain of activities that will be repeated to gain that neurochemical reward and that is a feeling of pleasure or relief from pain. So this is a big risk. This is why people need to feel the feelings and not go to substances or the internet because this is what's happening to them and this is why it's so hard or not so hard. No, or it's difficult for people to uh, stop this or moderate this kind of behavior. Yeah, I think any sort of addiction will have that dopamine effect, and that's the problem. And and that's what uh, uh, Dr. Kimberly Young, who did a lot of research in the internet addiction uh, disorder side of things, she she compared uh, a lot of different disorders: eating disorders, gambling disorders, alcohol and drug disorders, and internet or, or in this case uh, uh, online pornography, all release very similar types of dopamine. So this can really uh, skew one's ability to, con- to, you know, their compulsions can, can really take over. So anything that becomes a compulsion, I think obviously, and again, not being a doctor, that if it's a compulsion that you can't control, that's perhaps when it's it's time to start seeking some some uh, uh, assistance or, or or direction from a from someone like you, Maureen, who can help say, okay, yeah, you know, you might be watching, you know, an, an abnormal number or an hours of pornography, but how what what does that give you? What does that what's that look like and feel like in your real life? But any addiction uh, that you're just compul- compulsed to do, you have no control over, 
that's an issue, and we're seeing that in the, in, in the uh, online and internet world uh, all the time. That's right. Well, that com- the compulsion loop theorists believe that human free will doesn't exist, and so that the creation of habitual behaviors can be instituted and programmed. And that also that release of dopamine is also related to nicotine, cocaine, gambling addiction. So you know, I see somebody smoking, and I and I automatically think they have a depression because there's some antidepressant. Uh, activity, uh, um, antidepressant qualities in nicotine. And that releases a small dopamine release, so you get a little bit of pleasure. But a cocaine and heroin uh, addict receive big dopamine jolts from this, and, and that can be even so much more destructive in life and especially in a relationship. But um, Dave, you're always amazing, and I would like to talk to you forever and ever. <laughs> Absolutely, anytime. <laughs> All right, thank you so much. It's dave.ca. Have a happy new year, Dave. Happy New Year. Talk soon. All right. Thanks so much. Bye now. Well, when I come back, we're going to talk about alcohol and the impact on loneliness. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're, in, you're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. We're talking about love and intimacy and relationships and breakups. With every relationship comes a breakup. And uh, Matt has opened the line, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Or you can tweet me at back the number to the bedroom. Um, uh, Matt, have you uh, had a bad breakup over the holidays? Or have you broken up with anyone over the holidays? You know, I actually waited until the holidays were over because I'd, I'm ashamed to admit I just didn't want to deal with it over the holidays. Um, I knew that the relationship had come to an end, and... Well, that was a nice thing for you to do. <laughs> oh, people do call me a nice guy. They call me doormat, actually, but... <laughs> Dude, that can be a problem. You might want to get that phone call. <laughs> yeah, it can be heartbreaking at any time to be broken up with, especially if you don't want to end the relationship. But uh, how do you survive? What are some of the tips that... Uh, um, that would help you. It seems like everybody is coupled when you've unconsciously uncoupled or consciously uncoupled, but uh, that's not necessarily the case. I have, uh, do have Jeff on the line? He's uh, going to. Hello, Jeff. Hi. Hello, Jeff. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. So yeah, so I'm just commenting on your um your broadcast about the um breakups over the holidays. Yes. It can be a very depressing time of year actually. I just went through a breakup over the Christmas holiday actually and it really affected me emotionally, so Oh, of course it has. How long were yeah. you with her or him? Is it a her? With him. Um, him? with him I was with him for about two and a half months. Oh, okay. That wasn't too long. No, but it's still, you know, it's still affecting me, right? Of course. Absolutely. Were you quite smitten? Yes. Yes. And quite attracted to this man? Yes. Yes. So that makes it that much harder. So what are some of the things you've done to help yourself over this um, I've reached out. I've reached out to, you know, friends and family, you know, try to get all the support that I could, right? Yeah. And that's basically really all I all I did. So they've kind of, you know, supported me through it. So. And is that all you're talking about, Jeff? Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all you're talking about. That's it. Yeah. And, and and so you need more people, right? Because you can't right. be telling the same story over and over again. That's right. Yeah, and you're even calling now. Did you have any gifts you had to return, or hotel reservations you had to cancel, or anything no, that you had to do? Actually. 
No, no, nothing really. Just, you know, I just, yeah, nothing, to be honest with you. So. And and how did you handle the responses from people? Because people are going to be like, oh, what happened? Oh, my gosh, you just met him like two and a half months ago. Where is he? They, I I explained it, you know, I just said it wasn't working out, you know, and everything. And they, you know, once I explained everything to them, they understood, right? Right. And did you do anything like give back, um, you know, try to find some meaning around the holidays, you know, giving back, doing for others often helps our own pain? Um, not really, you know, just I, you know, I don't know exactly how to answer that question. Actually. Well, you could have gone shopping for me at Tiffany's or something like that. I could have. You could have. There's still time. <laughs> don't you but worry. That's but that's basically all, so. <laughs> or you could have volunteered at a soup kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> Tiffany's or... <laughs> So, <laughs> at so. least humor does help, do you think? It does. It does, actually. Of course. And you don't want to be miserable, right? No, exactly. I want to be happy in life, you know what I mean? I certainly do. I want to be happy, too. You know, one thing I find with people who have troubles, and I was this segment was going to be about, you know, kind of some advice <laughs> from yeah. somebody who's been broken up on broken up with a million times. <laughs> I wrote the book on this. But anyway, um, you think it's all going great and all of a sudden they break up with you, but whatever. Um, is, you know, don't like sit all day and think about it. Don't talk about it with everybody all day. Like compartmentalize it. Think about it for, give yourself permission to think about it for half an hour or an hour a day to talk about it, think about it, cry about it. And then that's it. Done. Yeah, and then and, just move on with it. And move on and do other things. Now, have you seen him since uh, you broke up? No. No. Okay. And no. you're not planning to? No. No. You know, I know somebody who's planning to break up with somebody <laughs> in January, and he's already online looking for somebody else. How about wow. that, huh? Yeah. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Not bad. He's planning on He's like, yeah, it's not working out. I'm going to break up with her in like the end of January. You know, he actually has a date. And but he's just checking out, you know, other people. And that's all he's doing at the moment is he's online at work, checking out uh, Match.com and Plenty of Fish and the whole thing, looking for someone to complete him. I'm just kidding. Because nobody completes you. You complete yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, Jeff, you yeah. sound like a nice guy. I'm sure you're going to meet somebody else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but thank you for the time, and I oh. guess enjoy the rest of your evening. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you so much. And uh, enjoy no your shopping at Tiffany's. I will. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Take care. I hope uh, things start looking up for you, my friend. All right. Okay. So uh, some of the ideas around, um, you know, I mentioned if you have some uh, gifts that he that are just, you know, painful to have around, you may want to return those or cancel flights. You know, you don't want to procrastinate. People love to procrastinate, but you just want to deal with it and get it over with. That's it. But feel the pain. I'm a huge believer in feeling the pain. Don't numb the pain. Don't drink. Don't smoke pot. Don't do cocaine. Don't go and have sex with a million people. Well, maybe. Um, but no, <laughs> this is a sex show. Come on. Um, but, you know, just be real about it and grieve because you, if you grieve, you get through it. And honestly, it's, it's cliche, but time heals all wounds. And, uh, and, you know, don't fly solo. Natural to feel lonely and left out of those parties. But you know what? Still go to the parties. Make plans for dinner. Go out New Year's Eve. You know, it's fine. Even go out with friends who are coupled. But you don't want to spend, you know, I'm sure even your friends won't want to spend time totally with their significant others. I'm sure 
they are sick of them by now. Anyway, <laughs> just find someone who's not getting along too well. Um, and, and do give back. I mean, that is a really helpful thing. But, uh, you know, you can choose misery or you can choose to be happy in life, as Jeff said. So, you know, sit with a bowl of popcorn, ice cream perhaps, cry for a couple hours, you know, get into it, and then be like, you know, this is not worth it. Anyway, so those are my expert tips on how to get over <laughs> any relationship. When I return, we're going to talk about the view from the Rat Park. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I love that song. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. We're talking about relationships and intimacy. Intimacy is related to feeling those feelings, feeling that love, having somebody know you, know you inside and out, understand you. And intimacy is so important in a relationship. It's being a real person with all of your flaws and your humanity and all of your love and all of your bad habits and your imperfections. But when you numb all that with alcohol, drugs, sex, the internet, pornography, you don't feel that and you're not that real person. So I think that a lot of people are lonely at this time of year. I think they may even be in relationships and they're lonely, or they may not be in a relationship and think, not another Christmas that I have to go it alone. And so that loneliness is something that leads people to drink. And as you see, they get that pleasure hit from that compulsion loop because they're they're literally numbing their pain and not engaging in life and not enjoying life fully. There was a research study that was done in the 80s that I thought was just so interesting, but unfortunately was never replicated, but may hold the key to that loneliness factor as it relates to alcoholism. And it was a rat study, and it was actually called Addiction, The View from Rat Park. It was done out at Simon Fraser University, and the professor emeritus was Bruce K. Alexander. And so they they basically had rats generally live in close proximity to one another but they what they did was they divided the rats into two different arenas basically and they put um some of the rats in isolation so they were in solitary confinement um and then they had another rat park and they had wheels where cuz so some of the rats could run on the on the um, wheels, and they had they could socialize. They were with other people, um, and this was quite uh, quite progressive research for the time of day. And they they thought that this was a good place to study drug addiction, to look at the lives of the rats, which are very similar to people. So they perfected techniques that allowed the rats to inject small doses of a drug into themselves by pressing a lever. So it required tethering the rat to the ceiling of the box with tubing and surgically implanting a needle uh, into their jugular veins. And so the blood passed through the tube and the needle into the rat's bloodstream instantaneously when they pushed the lever and it reached their brains momentarily. 
And so this was a good way uh, to check on this addiction. And so under perfectly appropriate conditions, the rats press the lever and they would um, consume large amounts of heroin, morphine, amphetamine, cocaine, and other drugs. And you've got to wonder, like, why do people do this? And the rats may hold the answer to this. Um, the results seemed to prove that the drugs were irresistibly addictive until they realized that it wasn't necessarily the drugs that was causing this, but that it was the lack of social, um, social relationships. The conclusion that they had reached initially with that illegal drugs are irresistibly addicting fit well with that fearsome image at the time uh, that was going on was this whole war on drugs. And so it provided additional research into this war on drugs, which was the theme of the, of the day in the 80s. Um, irresistibly addicting drugs cannot be allowed to circulate in human society. So we were given information, or at the time there was propaganda, essentially, for lack of a better word, of this is what uh, your brain on drugs looks like if if you uh, recall any of those images, like the fried egg. Um, so, but this wasn't believed by this particular researcher, this professor out at uh, SFU, Dr. Alexander. So what they did was put the rats in two different environments. And so they compared the drug intake of rats housed in a reasonably normal environment 24 hours a day with rats kept in the solitary confinement cages that were also very standard of the day in terms of rat research. So they built these big boxes, and they filled it with rats, and they had swings and climbing, and they had tin cans for the rats to hide in, and wood chips, and, I mean, it was just rat heaven, if there can be rat heaven. And they ran a number of experiments comparing the drug consumption of rats in Rat Park, which they called it, to the rats in the solitary confinement in the laboratory cages. In every single experiment, the rats in the solitary confinement consumed more drug solution by every measure that they could devise. And not just a little more, they devised a lot more. And in fact, the women uh, took on much more than the men, which was interesting, and they actually couldn't figure out why. But they all consumed so much more than the rats that were in Rat Park. And it soon became clear that those earlier uh, initial experiments that they had done, which just said that drugs are wildly addicting, could not necessarily be true. So that, in fact, taking those drugs or continuously infusing those drugs into the rat system by themselves related to the isolation itself. And so they published this information. And that rat park research attracted a lot of attention in the media and among students. And it really provides some information into addiction, which really has not been replicated by a number of research studies since that time. But they were very surprised that this loneliness factor, that this solitary confinement was really uh, what led these rats to consume many more 
um, drugs and continuously consume that. They had no pleasure in life. They were by themselves. And so, of course, what makes you feel pleasure and what helps you uh, to increase the pleasure in your brain is the release of dopamine and those opiate receptors in your brain actually release that uh, dopamine into your brain and, and it makes you feel better. But when you're active, when you're exercising, when you're sleeping well, when you're eating well, those are the kinds of things that humans and these rats as well, which are closely related to humans, um, actually live a healthier and happier life and are much less likely to consume alcohol, morphine, heroin, cocaine, all of those drugs that ruin uh, their, that ruin minds. So this is, you know, it's not necessarily that the drugs irresistibly cause addiction, you know, is it the loneliness? And that's why just being kind to one another, uh, understanding other people's feelings, the ability to be intimate, the ability to be, to be as close to somebody else as possible, you know, just reaching out to somebody taking responsibility for your part in the relationship, all of that is really important. And so I think we can learn a lot from that research. And uh, I found it really interesting. You know, I, I see some patients who have addiction issues, and I'll, I'll ask them about their family of origin, and then they'll say to me, you know, they, ga- they gave me up years ago, and they are a, a horrific meth addict, meth addict or a terrible heroin addict. Um, I mean, we see this even in great families, great great families where kids have been treated incredibly well, parents who love them. But it, it's not about that. It's about how that person feels themselves. Do they feel like an outsider? Are they different from the rest of society? Um, you know, it's we can go on and talk more about this, about where cultures have been destroyed and alcohol... Uh, was available and seemed to take over. So we see, you know, this affecting so many uh, individuals and uh, cultures as well. Anyway, so it's just something to consider. It's a very difficult uh, aspect of life is to have an addiction or to be in a relationship with somebody who has an addiction. Anyway, when I return, we're going to wrap this baby up, and I'm going to tell you what's coming up in the new year. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. Well, we've been talking about uh, internet addiction, so you might think it's uh, counterintuitive that uh, I wanted to tell you about yet another website. This one's for women. We often think that men, we associate internet addiction with men being on the internet, and there's probably more men on the internet, uh, on internet porn than women, but women certainly um, are on internet porn as well, utilize internet porn as well. But this is different. This website is a little bit different. It is called omgyes.com, and it's lifting the veil on women's sexual pleasure. In uh, 2016, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, being comfortable with your own sexuality, finding your own sexuality. I hear from a lot of women who are in negative relationships or toxic relationships or abusive relationships. Once they get out and they realize that they might meet somebody else or maybe get in touch with themselves and they feel like their their womanhood has been awakened, their sexuality is awakened. So this little website, it's not a porn website. It's a, uh, you can explore specific specific ways to find pleasure that is based on new re- on new research. 
And there's open and honest videos and a new way to try each technique right on your touch screen. Touch screen, sorry. I don't know why I'm not being able, I'm not able to speak anymore. I'm just so overwhelmed by this website. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. So have a look and see how it works and see what you think. Because, you know, we don't have this education. We don't educate women about sexuality. We educate women to withhold sex or to give it away, to be fearful about it or to, you know, be afraid you might get pregnant. So, or a sexually transmitted infection, but there's way more to it. And women's sexual pleasure is really important. And I'd like to see that really take hold in 2016. And so I'm going to focus quite a bit in the new year on that. So have a look at that. Um, Nothing wrong with yes, yes, yes. Start the new year off with a bang. So we're going to be, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions. Are you, Matt? (laughs) No, I used to be when I was younger, but now it's just more, the goals carry over every year. Well, and you know, the other thing is when you talk about something that you're going to do, like lose weight or buy a new car or whatever, get a new house or, you know, get your finances in order, you can actually get that release of dopamine that I was talking about earlier. And so the pleasure is felt then. And so you set yourself up for failure in the new year. Do you know what my goal is over the last two years? What's that? It's to get a job in radio. And you got one. I got that job in (laughs) September while still in school. So I am, I know what you mean, the release of dopamine and especially finding that release that isn't drugs or alcohol. Yeah. I didn't really know what that was until very recently. So Fantastic. Well, that's great. Well, we're so thrilled to have you here uh, at CKNW. That's fantastic. So good for you. I love it too. I get a lot of, I get a lot of pleasure out of this show. <laughs> oh, I, I love sitting here. It's intended. great. I mean, last year giving away that, or last week giving away that special item was a lot of fun. The womanizer. <laughs> the womanizer. The good night. I love I, you. <laughs> my girlfriend wants one now. <laughs> The price is coming down in the new year, so, uh, well, I have a bunch of orders to fill. Anyway, for the new year, how do we kickstart your libido? And what is the best biological time to have a baby and more? And also, yes, the womanizer will, of course, continue to make her fantastic debut, her, his, whatever, it, they, it's it's a fabulous device. Um, And you know what? You can get in touch with your sexuality by using sex toys, bringing that into your own life or... Or bringing that into your relationship, it can be very helpful. It does. They don't have to stay in your relationship. They can be things that come in and go out. No pun intended. Um, you can always visit my website www.backtothebedroom.ca. I do have some tips on my blog for tomorrow. V love.co, and you can read my blog. I've written about how to be your best uh, and be your best in any relationship for 2016. So check out the blog. You can always go to my other blog, too, back to the bedroom-blog.ca. You can follow me on Twitter, at back the number two, the bedroom. I have a lot of speaking engagements coming up in 2016, including I'm going to be at the Taboo, Naughty, and Nice show. Got a few programs to deliver there. Uh, and um, other some other talks as well. You'll hear that. So... Anyway, it has been an absolute pleasure being here with you tonight. Remember, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I'm Maureen McGrath. You've been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.